Good afternoon, everywhere, morning, evening, or noon. This is Teva DRC, Pastor T, overseer of the DLOF, DFW Leader Online Ministry Fellowship at onlinefellowship.us. My name is unusual. It's been like an ironic gift from God. And the name Tavo, T-A-V-E-A-U, is from the French Huguenot last name. And we have the records of the French Huguenot Church, Tavo Church, in, uh, let's see, Cordsville, South Carolina, which is Monk's Corner, it turns out. So we're here today, and I never knew I'd be a radical. I didn't know I'd be this radical. I'm the kind of radical that is addressing the Christian leaders, the born-again, whether they're Baptist, Methodist, whether they're charismatic, non-denominational, non-traditional, pandemonium, or whatever. And anyone else can listen in. But I want the, the, um, I want the people that are Christians and believe the Bible to know this word is for you. So I'm going to mention why I teach, why I address authority in the Christian church so strongly. Well, when I was brought up, I was brought up in an ordinary, Baptist, polite, respectful, like Billy Graham, respectful family, where we were chain of command, Ephesians 5, 21, no big overlord, no big I, sort of like coming down with chain of authority from Genesis 1 and 2, God made Adam first. And then he told him not to eat of the tree. And then he told Eve. And in other words, the head of home, head of planet, head of ministry, whatever, is fine if there's all God in it and not dominating or accusation or one big eye controlling or, dom- you know, accusing or abusing. And if they can work as a team, which is what I believe in, in the Christian community, Christian church, Christian ministry, Christian marriage, sons and daughters. I think that's the way to do it. That seems like Psalm 133.3, where God pronounces his blessing, life forevermore in the unity of the brethren, of the motheren, of the leaderen. Also Ephesians 4, which is a not taught Bible passage, a whole verse. People mention the fivefold offices and they gliss over the community and the Everyone walking in mutual submission in the fear of the Lord at the beginning, and also the f- spelling out what is the common doctrine that denotes a Christian in Matthew in um, Ephesians four one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Savior, guarantees to get you in heaven. One faith, the Christian faith, the real true ones, not the fakers, not the Bible beat down artists, not the legalists pointing of fingers. That doesn't represent Jesus. That represents the accuser of Genesis 3. That's where we're training so hard trying to defrag ministry. Back under the law accuses. It triggers. It breeds finger pointing. It breeds retaliation. It brings, you know, under the immature worst. It also brings people who are just so accused and controlled by the law, but in their family in their church, their community, that they just reject Jesus because they think that's who he is. And that's what I'm trying to do is repopulate, ironically, the fellowshipping with the saints in the born-again community and always have been. Like I said, I have a great history of respect for authority for males and females because my I was just raised that way. It was in the atmosphere. It was in the vibe of the home, the true Christian home, 
that happened to be Baptist, but they were Christian before they were Baptist. And I was raised that when I got out of being under my parents' authority, I just went whenever, whenever the Lord told me. It didn't matter the name brand. It still doesn't. I never knew of any kind of group that called itself Christian that wanted to stay in business. Well, I really never thought about it. I never thought, I never acquainted accusation in ministry with Jesus following. I never did. I came from Baptist, happy, plain and happy. Then I came to Jesus people, servant leader, then got into the Holy Spirit like vineyard for a while. I mean, I was still surfing and having my own ministry, but I never saw anything like today in the last 20 years. I never heard of Phariseeism and all the things I mentioned now, trying to accuse people just for setting foot on Jesus's, Jesus Christ's property. If you have to toe the line when you've already got pain and suffering in your family, your ministry, your personal life, your marriage, your business, you've got kids in tow, grandma may be misbehaving too, you got, you're working outside the home, inside the home, Maybe your grandparent raising the children of the daughter who went off into rebellion. And then you're paying that price and laying down your life to sacrifice for your family and the Lord at home where nobody sees. And you go to fellowship with the saints where you can see each other and have a break. Get in the peace of God, the rest of God, get encouragement, take some time off from the home. And then you go there and you step into a war zone and military friendly fire situation. Why do you want to go to that? Why do you want to go? Let's look at that. Is there a last days long prophesied that I always heard about? You know, when I was growing up, it's like, ooh, in the last days, all those sinners, man, all those unbelievers, there's going to be, those people will be lovers of themselves in Second Timothy 1 through 5, uh, excuse me, Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Boy, in the last days, it's going to be bad. All those non-believers, I thought, all those, all those people that don't know Jesus will be lovers of themselves, accusers, boasters, finger pointers. They will deny the power thereof. That's how I was raised to think traditionally. I would never have thought that I would address Christian born-again ministers and say, it's us, potentially some of us. Not too few either. I wouldn't mention it. My policy since the Lord sent me out at age 24 to study his body is to go wherever he led me. And I ended up with the signs and wonders crowd a lot and the worship crowd and the do-gooder crowd and the black crowd and the white crowd and the mixed crowd and the Vietnamese crowd. Some were emotional, some were not. Some led by the book primarily. And, they, you know, so I'm able to talk both sides. I've been with Levitical, Levitical. I've been with Levitical, yes, well, too many times, but I was with liturgical. My former husband was Catholic, though very not, very denominal, you know, very, just was nominal. But then I was, as I said, when we were desperate for the Holy Spirit, my mother got healed as a Baptist pastor's wife during a Catholic charismatic group in Norfolk, Virginia called Living Waters when she had a lump in her uterus x-rays and it went away and she didn't have to have the operation she had x-rays afterwards and she spoke taking the x-rays with her 
But my dad, who was raised Baptist, but he was very loving, very the best representative of Jesus behind the scenes and in front. I don't know what kind of speaker he was, but he was a servant leader to me, loving, smart. He never spoke in tongues because the seminary told him that they ended in the book of Acts. So my mom and sister and I all got filled with the Spirit and went after it. My mom got healed, like I said. But everybody's got their hear God for themselves. I'm not going to be the bombastic boss to tell everybody you've got to do it exactly like I do. That's why I'm teaching freedom in Christ without PC, without the law, finger-pointing law. So on top of the onlinefellowship.us, a couple other ministry sites, I put the PDF for everyone to have on the common doctrine of Ephesians 4 spelled out. I also put the 10 Bible relationships, which it either, which God gave me the that can represent Jesus Christ or they can represent the accuser for everyone to think about and study and pray on. Also got the role model of Jesus Christ when he was alive in ministry, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John from the Lord. How did he act and react in every relationship? Was he a bigot? Was he super spiritual? Was he condemning of the sinner no matter how bad it was? Was he afraid of the woman, the lustful woman with seven many husbands? No, he wasn't holier than thou. He is filled with the Holy Ghost. And he wasn't afraid of any kind of unclean spirit. He wasn't afraid that some woman would seduce him. He'd just take authority and bind that devil and unclean spirit and cast it out. Also, Jesus Christ's ministry trainees, his mentorees, the apostles, weren't suspicious sin-spire accusers either because when they saw Jesus talking, which is against the law, really, the single minister speaking to the Samaritan woman, unclean woman, who was known around the areas gossiped about as the one in adultery many times. Yet there he was, the leader of the movement, standing there alone, unchaperoned, and here they come back from sell- getting food, and all to a person, none of them accused Jesus. None of them said, oh, Jesus. Don't let your good be evil spoken of. You're going to get your name and our name all ruined. Nobody is so self-righteous and pompous. So why do I teach on Christian spiritual authority? Because I respect good authority. I was raised under it. I can tell them when around it. And I can also tell the bad. And I've been around a lot of that. And I've been accused by it. And I've been accused because of not being under it. When you get accused, your character assassinated. When you get jumped in public without spoken to you, you happen to be raised very non-legalistically, but raised respectfully, and you know the Bible, and you know ministry, and you've had three generations of it in around you, an extended family, you know what you've got. And when it's counterfeit, wealth is counterfeit, even though the people that teach in them are not all counterfeit. I'm not calling anyone's ministry a false prophet, even though probably mine has been by them. I've been, you know, an apostle who call themselves the capital A apostle. I'm an apostle, but not like that. We're servant leader. But when you go around all this stuff at the grassroots, and you've seen it in the press, and you've seen it for years in ministry, Christian ministry, you got to teach on it, because it's just immaturity, plain old immaturity gone haywire. Poor doctrinal teaching, not thorough one-sided, and it's back under the law to favor them. And I believe where they teach the law 
taking up money is a big deal. Usually no one has jumped me if they've been rich. I've never had a rich person accuse me, character assassinate me, try to back off from me. I've never had anyone abuse me that was not a Christian who was needing more money. I don't know if the two go into hand in hand, but if you got to look at the New Testament Pharisees, you'll notice that the reason they were upset that with Jesus, he was not in their system. He'd been raised around it, been raised under the law, but he also knew how to his who he was in him in Christ. He came to fulfill the law. He wasn't going to beat anybody down with the Bible like he'd seen them do it. When you look at the fruit of Jesus in relationships, there's no accusation. It's ministry. Walking about, being loving, doing good, healing all who are oppressed by the devil, and the Lord was with him, Acts 10.38. What is the fruit of the the characteristics of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Excuse me, the Sadducees. They accuse. They accuse Jesus. They berate him in public. They have a great, well-oiled system, educated and yet they want to make sure they don't lose anything to this Messiah. So they set up, they have their temple money changers. They've got a steady income. They know how to get the people to give. They've got their perk, position, and power, and they don't want anyone else to have it. They were in cahoots with the government of Rome, the slaving aristocratic of Rome, aristocracy, the, the Roman patricians. I teach against patricianism as well as false doctrine of wealth, Levitical patriarchism, Old Testament law, because many times they are entwined. I've studied it because I know the difference. Evangelicals, most of them white, do not do that. They are more ser- a lot of them are servant leadership. They might be gotten a lot of sophistication in their you know perks and everything, but down to earth, most of them are not. Catholics, best, you know, and this are a lot of servant leaders. All right, so let's go for when you look at Levitical patriarchism, which is a form of authority gone haywire. That means that they believe that only a certain kind of apostle, meaning them, have to be need to be over everybody. So when you here's how it does. This is not Baptist. I was raised Baptist. They were not in the law. But when I got out to study the Holy Spirit, I moved in and out of groups that were spooky and not spooky. Some under the law more than others. Noticeably, this thing was not. They could teach great Holy Spirit, spirit of prophecy, not be under the law. But when they got into house order, church attendance, who's over who, who's who, they were in it. I noticed also the fear in the people of getting dismissed, displeased, and not approved of. So there was a lot of human human being pleasing, not just God pleasing, in this mixture. That's what it is, is mixture. I was on assignment sent by the Lord. I didn't know I'd come across this. I don't think people are failures for having this unless they're very vastly abusive. I did meet one that was not an not a Western European Levitical patriot, but an African, a rare one, very rare, to my knowledge. And this man, I want to say it because I teach against the Western European brand all the time, my kind. All right, I had a ministry with an office, much more than I did in Texas, because I wasn't under such big assault. 
So I had an office and I had an African-American couple come to me to apply to be my associate servant leaders. When I talked to them about where they'd come from, I knew the wife. I didn't know her new husband, but they were like 46. So I said, well, how are you doing? Where did, how was your, what was your other job like? She said, well, we didn't have a day off in 20 years. I said, what? You didn't have any day off, not one? No. We were told not to have days off, not to have children, not to get married, because the apostles said it would hinder his work of the ministry. I went, whoa. So the whole church had been told, don't get married till he said yes. Don't have children, because it will block his ministry. That's control. That's that's whelp. But it's in an African-American alp. <laughs> ALP. They did his laundry. I said, you mean to tell me they didn't even let you go home for Mother's Day? Not even once? No, not even once in 20 years. So God allowed that to know these wonderful people. But he allowed me to see that is everywhere. What is not the norm I meet. I'm in the ministry to meet it. Sad to say. So I can understand to teach on doctrine. So these people, I said, well, you know, I thought Abraham Lincoln's freed the slaves. And that's what it is, cult spirit. And I was not like that. So they could, you know, I wanted them to go see, bless their mom and honor their mama on Mother's Day. They were great people, two choice people. All right. So I learned because where I was was not a cosmopolitan area. I lived in a tiny town. We moved to Virginia Beach in Norfolk, which is Metroplex, which is my cup of tea. And out here in the basic vicinity of the area, I like it a lot. Love Texas because it's big thinking. But when you try to want a fellowship with Christians, that's where you meet the rankling of control, power, protecting or not servant leadership. Everyone's the big eye and the big boss, even if they got 40, 100 and less in their church. And they only want people to be under them, not to fellowship with them just because they love them. They need to be over you everywhere in the same kind. So therefore I teach. I instruct now so we can get past this and get on to the next bend. So I've been around, not a novice, not young, but I feel young. I don't think old. I think current. Like my mama before me and my family. I just think inner age. And frankly, inner age, everybody get used to it. I think 28. Even though I look, I don't look 28. I have tried to keep young. Because I try to keep, you know, for the Lord and myself. And I try to think young. And I try to keep working out. Eating healthy. I don't hang around with people who get into the old age, poor me mindset, the minefield. I am not traditional. I'm led by the Spirit, but so are many other people. I teach an authority because it's that, it can be that damaging to the name of Jesus Christ. You want people to go to fellowship. You want them to be able to feel free to go with their other brothers and sisters. But man, after what I see, no wonder they've fallen away. They've been driven away by accusation and Phariseeism, traditions of men, human-pleasing, aristocratic pomp and ceremony, not no love. And they took their children with them, and that's where we got suicide, bullying, 
amazing amounts of opioids and drug use, chemical dependency in the parents, but also in the children and the children's children. And you think I want to go around that stuff? I'm just one of the many millions. But do I want that to be that way? No, I want people to go back. So I'm going to instruct and you can instruct and you can tell your family that relationships, pure hearted relationships with the symptoms of abiding and enduring James 3.17 are the way, Jesus way, in ministry, in family, in spouse, and in fellowships. And you can train on it and teach on it. And maybe the children, the parents will want to bring the children at least back. And maybe they'll want to come. And maybe the body of Christ will get its act together. And they won't be all religious right or all religious wrong. They'll just be loving and apolitical for everybody. They'll be multicultural and diverse. They won't be big I, little you, or men only, white only, black only. It won't be in a case go because of Christmas we feel guilty or an Easter. Now they'll want to go because they're hungry for God, a relationship with the Lord. How did Paul write two-thirds of the New Testament? Did he just hang out with the other apostles like that were mentored by Jesus? No, quite the contrary. Apostle Paul was kicked out given the left foot of fellowship, the left foot of fellowship by the first 12 who were mentored by Jesus because they didn't think he was good enough. They were suspicious of his brand because he had a different vibe, I suspect. Also, they knew that he'd been a pretty tough customer, a murderer, and they didn't quite know if they could probably trust him yet. So Paul met with, I think it was Peter and Barnabas for two weeks, but it didn't go well, so he went up to Arabia which is now Damascus, Syria, and he stayed there 13, 14 years. And because he was dependent upon God, not other people, he didn't have to go into the group that said, oh, we are the only way that know know everything, the the 12 first, still growing. He had to depend on God with a few maybe straggler Christians up from Jerusalem, but mostly not with any Christians And when he comes back, he writes all these letters, two-thirds of the New Testament. And here's how you can get the same revelation and wisdom supernaturally for your ministry, your church, your choir, yourself, your personal life. Do it like Paul. He writes his secret in Ephesians 1.17. He says, I pray for the churches. I persistently pray for all the churches that each one of you will have more of God's Holy Spirit wisdom and revelation, free downloads and outpourings of his revelation, the gift of revelation in your knowledge of him. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in your knowledge of, of him. That means while you're with him, hanging around with him, not just learning about him, not sitting, oh, far off. Yes, I read a book about Jesus. I saw the History Channel commentary. I know all about Jesus now. Yes, I know. I'm a Christian. I know about this. No, you have to invite, you have to first invite Jesus into your heart. And he gives you a modicum, a little deposit of the Holy Spirit. You have to nurture that and pray. And in time, and read the Bible, get educated, get training, fellowship. Have people like Iron Sharpens Iron in your family or other people. And you grow and then practice discernment. He wants to lead you and tell you and reveal and talk to you. But it takes time out 
just with you and him, even 10 minutes, 15 a day, have your quiet time and get to know him. That's how I started. Then you get to know about the Holy Spirit and you get to know about the word of God. And Jesus said, you need to know both because he told the Sadducees who are on his case, you err, not knowing the scriptures and the power of God. So you need to know about how the Holy Spirit is, who he is and what he does, what he's not. And then you need to know about the Bible. Yes, you need to know the logos. You want to know the logos. That means the facts, the history in it, about it. But then you want to know the rhema. That means the faith part. Hebrews, our part, even though I'm not under any ministry, I'm Galatians 6, Galatians 1, 2, like Paul, we respect and we can trace some of the roots today back to some of these famous movements Besides my dad and mom and the ones before him, the basic Christians that were out there in the lay of the land. But then now we can have the groups that started when I remember them starting in the 80s, I guess, 70s and 80s on up. That can include shepherding for those of you who are under that and witch watching, but I wasn't a part of it till later. I was more calm and respectful. And so I grew up with, like I said, as Christian, but technically Baptist. Then I got involved with the Jesus people and Holy Spirit. And it was very calm. Praise and worship started and Hosanna Integrity music and all the transformations. But also different doctrines came out during that time, such as deliverance doctrines. That's when it started to get really interesting in the body of Christ. And you started to hear about charismatics, non-traditional ministry, non-denominational well, I was open as a Nobobrian to studying the Lord. I also got with Pentecostals. Near my house was in the in the 90s. Uh, I didn't even know about Ruth Heflin, Sister Ruth. And she lived her camp. Ashland Calvary Campground was back there 45 minutes away. But my sister, I mean my cousin in Alabama sent me the book of glory. You praise until the spirit of worship comes. You you worship until the God's glory, his presence come, and then you stand in the glory and he speaks to you. Well, I knew the Lord and the Holy Spirit, but I thought, man, that's near me. So I started to go out there. And that's also when the abuse in my personal life and Phariseeism had come into town. I was really getting raked over the coals in my private life. And that helped me survive because I was getting so depleted. I could have died. So I'm telling you, I'm speaking why it's practical, not just goofy, oh yeah, reverie in the la-la land. I lived it, and it helped me. I knew the Word. I stood on the Word. I renewed my mind the Word. But I had two children, and I was in ministry on radio, and I was around town, and I had private closet abuse that was like Dr. Jekyll. And I just wanted to keep the marriage together, and I forgave, but I was, you know, practicing everything, the born-again teachers had and I thank God I knew about the faith renewing my mind word of faith and I learned the parts that I keep today about it's not a sin to have money to believe for money you know to have faith for money when you need it to help people help your family it's great to know about healing I practiced you know faith to stay young and I have God has allowed grace but I also saw people who took the teachings and warped them and morphed them with their lust for more money and fame and no fear of the Lord and cranky doctrine and now official over everybody even witch watching came in I saw that 
But I knew that as a noble Berean, as a sophisticated person, basically minister, I wasn't in it for the money. Even though I need money, I don't, I'm not in it for the money. And I do have the fear of the Lord, and I do try to watch as a noble Berean what I partake. And I do try to say that when I Phariseeism came in, it was like more than I, it affected my family and my children. Because I was jumped literally in public at a march for Jesus without any respectful one-to-one. And I was not their friend or in their ministry under them or in kin to them. But Pharisees witch watch and their perceived rebellion voice of omitted Bible scriptures. Yes, we want to believe the ones that you say you're over, we're over you because we are the apostles and the, you know, we are the ministers and you're not. That's in our nation. And so I teach on it for this reason. It's many places. It's hidden and big. So I teach on authority because of these roots. I had happy roots and then I had good roots in, in the area where I used to live. And then this Phariseeism started. So I researched doctrine. One of the things when you jump people in public order, they're not in rebellion. They're in rebellion and they call everybody else in rebellion. Not submitted because of that. They're whelp doctrine, which means you got to be over. We got to be over you. So when you are a new minute younger, you're not as bold and you don't know all the things you're, you're able, you know what's wrong and what's right maybe because I came from a pastor family, good order, but you don't know your own personal authority. You don't want to be out of order. And it says not to rebuke an elder. Well, I'm not going to rebuke an elder, but I can correct them. And I'm their age basically. Now I didn't realize, you know, but then I felt a lot, I was immature and more, not naive, but more human, more scared. I didn't want to incur God's wrath, not theirs. But I just didn't know my place, and now I do. I have it. But I speak now for the men and women who are out there, young and old, who don't know their authority, and I can give you doctrine, the word of the Lord, and you can teach it and make sure nobody ever does that harsh, authoritarian abusive, animalistic, and degrading berate without relate. As I've said, I'm soft-spoken, James 3.17. When I was married, I thought, you know, we were, I thought it was equally yoked, both Christians. And then when I got the call to ministry, the other one to the business, he would say, yes, go out and do whatever God said. Well, my call was to study the body, so I'd go when I felt the Lord lead, and he said, yes, he could keep the children, two children. Do you mind if I go to that revival? Oh, that's fine with me, because he's a real solid man, real man's man. And I was the weaker vessel. All right, so I would go happily, and I would be there, and that's how I learned about faith and renewing my mind and worship and praise at the beginning, and then many other things added to that. But I didn't think about being evil, that I was a church hopper, because that isn't how the Bible says. I didn't know that people would be watching me, expecting me that they were over me when they never talked to me, and never, if they thought I was in sin, their legalistic sin of accusation, people who are seen in more than one fellowship or at too many revival meetings in that area, which is a huge problem everywhere in the United States, at least the Deep South busybody overseers entitled and I wasn't raised like that so it caught me off guard completely 
So and and so it makes me have compassion for you all that go through that now or have been. So I teach what is really in the Bible, and that's under the law. But anyway, I didn't know that. So I had been with due to people not really wanting to go toward God when they had gotten under pressure, they can go back into how they were raised, family abuse. I always know that if you were in pain, under financial problems, whatever, you go to God. But it takes both people in a marriage to believe that way, and it was not happening. So I would be the outside, you know, doing my thing, and the husband, you know, we never know what would happen next. During that time, I'd been very badly, like a demonic abuse, and I was just exhausted. But the next day was the March for Jesus. So I said, do you mind if I go to the March for Jesus? Because I thought, you know, I don't feel should I go or not. I'm just depleted, but I know I love Jesus. I'm going to go downtown and march. That was 1996. So I went down there, and little did I know that I had been seen carrying a family friend who was staying with us from another state, a man. And also I was a church hopper. And also I was not in their fellowship, and I was not a whelp. I was not a human pleaser. But they were the bosses. They had a book, because I was there one night worshiping in this one group. But before I knew what whelp was, I was there because I needed the worship due to the abuse, due to the exhaustion and, you know, being a parent and everything. So I went in there and I happened to hear the sermon being taught. And the sermon being taught was that that the sermon being taught was that if you are not that there was a book out and the book was by a person who was a famous apostle, prophet, teacher, professor from the from the California since that time, that man has died, and he moved to Texas, and he was a wonderful man, so I'm not going to put him down. I just think people, I've not read the book, but I heard it said, when they were there, I heard the people say, the book said, that the book taught, there are prophets, and that are, there are apostles that are over the gates of every city that God sets, and they're over everybody else. And that that person talking that night said they were one of them, the chief apostle. That means it was his business and his group of fellow ministers to be over everybody, every minister. And I guess they presumed they were over me. But I was not told about it. That's why my saying up on Twitter, it said, Deep Southern legalist, if you want us to be, please let us give us the chance to sign on to your program officially before you say you're over us. Because of that controlling spirit and then later if you're not under them and you don't know about this stuff you're just out doing what god wants and your husband's permission and you're all your board of five advisors don't care you realize later you're blackballed you're jumped in public and accused without being you're accused and berated and related in ministry because you're accused in absentia, without one-to-one Galatians 6, one, meekly going to confront somebody, set them straight, lest you yourself are tempted later. And then the other one is Matthew 17-18, which is invisible in their handbook. Nobody has that in their Bible ever in 30 years since I discovered this, 28 years. So you think, well, where is their doctrine? 
Why are they not submitting to Ephesians 4, common doctrine? Why are they submitting to legalism, which is against the New Testament? Why are they not submitting to Ephesians 5.21, mutual submission in the fear of the Lord for everyone? Why are they not submitting to Matthew 18 and Galatians 6.1, private one-to-one respectful relationship preserving confrontation, tough love, hold them accountable? And I think, well, therefore the grace of God go I, but why are they allowed to preach and have this doctrine in there? and call themselves a Christian and advertise, free advertising, the um, free advertising that they are accepting everybody. This is Jesus' house. Oh, yes, come and worship. Come and worship with us. Oh, yes, we want our name known because we're one of the famous local churches, and you can pay your offering and put your tithe in. That's all I can think of. So I always respect everybody for everyone's future reference, no matter who I look like, I am or not. When I go in from ground up, childhood on, I always respect whoever is in charge. I discern and perceive the boundaries. I discern and res- perceive the people in charge, and I respect them. I, pers- I sit there and watch and observe, because I love the Lord and His people, what's going on, and whatever they say, I go for. If it is damaging, demeaning racism, I would leave. And one time I did leave when they were plastic candy worship. I just left because it was too phony. I'd been there too many times as one group, whelp group. It wasn't on the East Coast because I I didn't do it loudly. I slipped away because I'm very unobtrusive and very James 317, pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit without partiality. Why do I teach all this so specifically? Because of all that. God's people, his born-again people, his his ministers, his Christians in ministry, in ministry, don't submit to God's whole counsel. They're back under the law, many of these people, and they're driving, bullying, berating, Phariseeism, people away so that nobody wants to go anymore except the true devoted fan club followers in their system. I submit this to you in polite, respectful, Nobaburian sila. You may be the Nobaburian of your own choice, work out your own salvation. But when I do this, it's not, it's as apostle, prophet, office prophet, office apostle, many years, Tavo Diarsi, speaking it as a word of the Lord, to save people from not being able to fellowship, to spare people from wanting to go to the place where you might get abused and take them 20 years to get over it, to be the noble Berean, to say, everybody has your choice. You can pray about it and see who you choose to let speak into your life, who you choose to be under, even if you only got a few people in a narrow village where everybody's watching you and calling you nasty names and saying you're suspicious Sister Susie or Jezebel herself or King Ahab. You got to learn how to stand on your own and you got to learn how to 
submit only to the Lord and His wisdom of the Holy Spirit and the Bible and a few sound people that speak into your life. Maybe your mama, maybe your sister, or maybe you lost your mama like I did. You find somebody, male or female, that can tell you straight so you're not put under condemnation and it affects your family, your children, your life, your quality of life in that area because it's a religious spirit. It's like as mean as a hornet, gossiping, believing the evil report, witch-watching, suspicious sin-spying. And if anything, that's why I was put on this earth to discuss it, to bring it forth. If I see a whelp, hey, I'll be friendly, but I don't know if I can stand being uncertain, you know, under their ministry, going visiting, because I've paid my dues. If they'll change, I'll come back. Hey, I love them. I love their Holy Spirit stuff. The other part is, we want to be multicultural. Usually, the whelp is not very diverse. They don't understand. I don't think they've ever met any. They don't really have any in their ministry. I hope they're not prejudiced. I think they just don't know many, or maybe they're biased. I don't know. But whelp is not me. We are we global. Whelp is we centric. We are the world centric. Never really met anybody black. Never really understand real black people. Maybe have a token to look good. No women, they're not allowed, we're over them, they're our servants. But then maybe, you know, one can be the, the matriarch that enforces for their, their ministry. And though I don't really want to talk about it, I really have a lot of, I'm doing more things than this, I have a lot more to teach on than this. But because I was not released to really be this strong for the sake of the body of Christ in this nation, the one who used to know the Lord, the one that used to be the role model of peace and genuine sincerity in Christ following for the nation, and we're not, we've lost it, and the people aren't going anymore, Phariseeism or whatever, deep south toxic chaos and religion, no love, no fear of the Lord, then I will just be bold enough to speak it out and let the chips fall where they may. I am assessing and I'm judging only on fruit, fruit of relationships and the fear of the Lord ministry in the body of Christ. I don't name names. I judge doctrines and fruit, but not accuse. I'm not accusing. I'm judging based on fruit, which is fair. I've never judged anyone by their look, their age, their size, their color, whether they go to church or not. In fact, I'm just saying, everybody, I'm grateful you're listening. If you never go to church, if that's what God has told you and you truly have heard it from God for whatever weird reason, I, I can believe it. It is that bad. It can be that bad. It can also be the best. You know, this might be the best and worst of Christ's following. Just like at the time of the Tale of Two Cities, the French book on the French Revolution, it was the best and worst of times. Well, I believe there is a revolution in the spiritual sense. And it's going on for control in the power of Jesus' name against controlling spirits and dominating and Jezebel seeking versus freedom in Christ. Just to love on Jesus. Be with him. If you feel like you can't show up, don't feel guilty. Just show up when you can. Come as you are to worship the Lord, not to bow and scrape to any office, apostle, or leader. You do show respect, and you should. 
you defer to everyone. You defer to the leader, male or female, he or she, to do what they feel God is saying. If you don't agree, pray for them. Really pray. If they're caustic, toxic, lovers of themselves over a period of time, a second Timothy one through five from search to turn away commanded fellowship, then go for it. You need to. It'll affect your marriage, yourself, your persona, invisibly underneath in your spirit. It might affect your children if they're there, innocent. So be careful. The other from such turn away fellowship is First Timothy six five. If they are, they have sort of bad language, but they also think that you're not blessed unless you have big bucks like them. Then, then from such turn away. And I have. God is doing a new thing in our nation, and we know we need to have prayer because that new thing it ain't all good. It ain't all safe. It ain't all good and healthy for the future of our nation or our people or our Christians or our children. It ain't all good, but there is something new going on. So let's get the undercurrent of real, authentic, organic Christianity out there in the born-again people. Whether they go to church or not, quit being so legalistic. Be grateful they're attending. They love Jesus. You know what I mean? I don't mean to be too hard, but it's that tough it's that bad it can be that bad and then if they're denominational or non-denominational or whatever they call themselves just go with it pick out what's hay throw out the stubble and keep your peace nobody is going to want to all talk in tongues between now and when jesus comes nobody's going to want to all not talk in tongues also Nobody's going to do it everything the same way. And that's part of Christianity, common doctrine, Ephesians 4. It's for that. But now it's too much time to waste calling every, sitting in your corner with your tribe, finger pointing and, oh yeah, he's a false apostle. She's a false apostle. Oh yeah, he's a false prophet. She's a false prophet. Putting it in your newspaper online, spreading the word, being all self-righteous, high and mighty. Listen, I'm teaching, I mean, I think this is a way really to teach relationships, teach the fruit of this means their faults. Don't name their names. Quit naming their names on your radio broadcast. You're looking like the big ego, male or female. I saw somebody who is a great quality broadcaster who was sort of witch hunting all the Christians, different kind of Christians, usually charismatic, usually prosperity people, which is a huge, big deal right now for everybody. I'm teaching that you can teach about faith for money because it's needed, it's desperate, but make sure you're not materialistic, doing it for pride, show, lust of other things, or greed. Do whatever God says, but don't tell me about it. It's not my business what you own, what you wear, or how much you got. I don't want to know. The Bible does say, leave enough for the children's children. Back on track. So then we're looking at all the different doctrines, and I think what I'm saying lately on DFW Leader in different places, dfwleader.org, I said, how can you tell? This is the word everybody really wants to know in ministry and in Christianity. Who's a false apostle? How do you tell a false apostle and a false prophet? Are you one? I would say, calm the hysteria, calm the rhetoric, 
overcome all the big egos and talking heads and listen to God yourself. If they say Jesus isn't the way, the truth, and the life, they're false. If they say that God's holy word doesn't matter, they're false. If they believe when Lord, when faith, when baptism, that Jesus is Lord, they're true. But not, let me say this quickly. If they believe common doctrine, they may not have all 100% true doctrine. This is the point we're getting to. We need this point. What is the tipping point between having good doctrine mixed with legalism, good doctrine mixed with false, good doctrine mixed with spooky spiritual seeing Jezebels on everybody, good doctrine versus being under the law, all these things, hypocrites. That is showbiz, all this stuff. That is up to you and God and your conscience. You be the noble Berean of your life. You research their doctrine. If the Lord says that is really, really off and I'm convicting you to get out, then you get out and take your children with you. Got to watch out for your children. However, if God said, you know what? You can sit there and think, man, they're really off. They're under the law, but they're so good. They're so sweet. They really are, just don't know they're bat, you know, off in that one area. They're keeping track of everybody and they don't believe in wearing dresses or whatever. Yet they can be really loving and have the fear of the Lord and really knowledgeable and quality. You know what? That's their choice to wear dresses. It's not a fault. It's not a sin. Just as yours is not to wear slacks. Yours is to investigate Ephesians 4 Common Doctrine. Use my pamphlet at the top of online fellowship maybe to help you. And then just say, you know what? I will disagree. We can disagree, but in James 3.17, relationship preserving fruit. I won't rock throw, spread gossip, stone throw you. You won't do that to me if you disagree with me. When you get, and I got to quit because my time limit is up. When we get to identity, right now the nation is big on identity like I've never seen it. It's almost like the watchword of anything. I think to defuse the accusation, the the screaming and shouting on everywhere. The self-righteousness and the attack back, retaliation. I think you got to train on identity that it falls under Ephesians 4. The Bible teaches us, everybody, New Testament, you got to read it all. Not under the law, but God does say there are things he disapproves of and that if you say you're a Christian, you will not do it or choose to be that way. You will abstain. And it talks about in Romans 8 about going after the flesh versus the spirit. And you need to read that for yourself. Jude alone will set your hair curling if you're really of that kind. But I will not be the one that says you will burn in hell. I will not tell you that if you cheat on your wife or you don't go to church on Sunday, or you tell three fibs, or you're a liar, or use drugs that you'll burn in hell. I will not tell you. Let God tell you in his Bible what will take you to hell. What will take you to hell, first of all, is not going after Jesus, accepting him in your, as your Savior. He wants you to, but he loves you, and he won't force you. Therefore, why will I force you or beat you down with my Bible? I will not. I will say, you know what? I'll advise you. Not to choose that, but that's your choice. You've heard enough to make your own decision. I will love you and give you my respect to make your choice whether you want to go to heaven or not. That's your choice. So with I 
my real respect is teaching is everybody can choose, but they need to hear the truth. So you don't want to mince the truth, yet you don't want to beat them down. They've already been accused. They've already been read the riot act 10 times by their father. So you say, you know what? I know it's hard. I hear we're here for you. I care for you. The most important thing is the relationship with Jesus Christ. Then get in there with him, read your Bible, get and not be under the law and let him speak to you about all these things. And I'll be here to answer questions and give you advice and tell you what I believe. But you know what? The ultimate thing is, I know you've been bitten and beaten down and abused and accused by the law too long. I'm not going to be the minister that cusses you out or makes you feel bad if you choose an alternate lifestyle or not to go to church or, you know what I mean? I will love you. I may not let you serve on my ministry team because that's more important I please God. That's about God. But you're certainly welcome to attend, be my friend, have fun, pick my brain. But I won't accuse you because I know it's difficult If you have that big a choice, it's because you've been really hurt or grew up with something really more painful than I ever want to even know about because I can't relate to abuse or sexual rape or anything. You know, like like childhood abuse, emotional, what do you call it, Um, pedophile type stuff in the family. But I can comprehend because I've been through some kind of abuse and I don't want you to ever have to be in that pain again. So I'll love you, but I'm going to tell you straight, but not hurt you or accuse you. That's the bottom line. This is Tavo DRC. You can say a prayer for us. I'm your sister in Christ. We need more, many more relationships that are not under the law, that are mature in ministry. And because of that, we've been through a lot of tough pain with our finances because we are, we've been denied, we've been denied even letting people hold them accountable when they took our stuff in ministry. So as a result, we are like the prophet waiting on the raven. Just pray for me and protection on my life and family. And we are we are being blessed, really. We're not under the curse. We're full of joy in life. But, you know, normalcy means you can settle down, plan your budget, take a day off, and really go out and preach the gospel with nothing on your mind except that. And that's what we really want to do. I want to go preach the gospel and be the witness and evangelist to the born-again people. And that will take funding. And people who pray for us send us out and will not accuse us but sustain us. I've got to go. You can email dfwleader at gmail.com if a question, comment. And our PayPal is on online fellowship somewhere on the front, on the right day he loves you he's not under the law finger pointing in you he doesn't he assesses you but he doesn't condemn you neither does jesus god bless you bye bye